Well, welcome, uh, everyone. If you're a guest with us, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be worshiping with you today. Uh, we're we're uh, just on the second Sunday of a kind of a summer sermon series uh, that's taking us through the names of God. It's called Knowing God by Name, and it's uh, just personally, it's one I've kind of wanted to do for a while. I've, I've always been kind of intrigued by the names of God in the Bible and have never done a series like this. So this series is about that. It just kind of unpacking some of the different names used for God in the Bible. And not just for the uh, you know, intellectual effort of the whole thing, but, but really trying to determine how we can know God through the names that are used in the Bible for God. And, and that, that's, that's really important. Because I don't know if you're like me. I came to Christ a little later in life, but I've been around the church since, uh, I guess, the early 90s, something like that. And I feel like a lot of my church experience has trained me to know about God. When the real thing is to know God. There's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Uh, Knowing about God is religion. Knowing God is life. And you don't just have to take my word for that. Jesus said it. Look, look at what he said. Now this is eternal life. That they know you. That they is the disciples and really everyone. That they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And the, the names of God in scripture reveal God to us. And they help us know God. So understanding these names uh, really, really uh, does help us know God. And, and the other thing here is, um, by the way, the, the decorations today kind of made me think of this. Did you, at first I looked at the white and I thought, oh, it's kind of covering up the cross a little bit. But then I got it. Remember the story of the ascension? They are all standing around Jesus. Where'd he go? <laughs> Pointing up, Right? So I bet that was Greg's thought. Was that the thought? Yeah, the, good, nice, I get it. We get it. <laughs> um, but but have, have you thought of it this way? Jesus did not come to earth simply to die on the cross, be raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, kind of uh, complete the transaction of atonement. You know, in, in the heart of God wasn't simply the idea of, hey, I'll go in person uh, in, in Jesus to earth, I'll move into their neighborhood and I will sacrifice myself, pay the bill and return to heaven and the transaction will be done. As if that were the goal. That's not the goal. The cross, the atonement, is the means to the end. It's the means to achieve the goal. The goal is a renewed relationship with people, a real relationship between God and people. And the only way that could happen was through the atonement. So Jesus did not come simply to make atonement. He came to make it known that God is the kind of God who not only wants to make atonement, but did and invites all people everywhere back into a relationship with him. Again, you don't have to take my word for it. Jesus said it himself at the end of his high priestly prayer in John 17. I have made them, or I have made you known to them. He's praying to God now. I have made you, God, known to them, my disciples and the people of the earth, and will continue 
to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So the project is reconciliation. And the project isn't just that we might experience God's love for us. Look again at what Jesus said. The goal is that the love the Father has for the Son, the depth, the untainted perfection of that love would be in us and we would function in the world with others with that kind of love. Wow! You know, and that Jesus himself might be in us by the Holy Spirit, of course, is what he's talking about. So knowing God is the goal, not knowing about God. And that's a big deal. And the names help us know God, the biblical names of the Lord. So the name this week that we're looking at is the name El Elyon. And it appears for the first time in Genesis chapter 14, which I'll read in just a moment. But let me give you a little background uh, so that we don't come into the middle of this story kind of blind. So some context. The scene is this. Uh, a, a very powerful uh, uh, and power-hungry king named Keter Laomar and three other kings ruled the region of Sodom and Gomorrah and the larger region in that area of the world. They had occupied the region and made all of the people their subjects. The region rebelled against Keter Laomar and he geared up with his allied army, these three kings, three other kings, and began conquering the entire region city by city, just moving one to the next, boom, boom, boom. And they were unstoppable. Sodom was one of the cities he conquered, and at that time, Abram's nephew Lot was living in Sodom. Here the story picks up. Genesis 14, uh, verse 11. And I'm officially now at the age where I need to do this. So here we go. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Keterlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by, Mo, by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath 
to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to honor Eshcol and Mamre. Let them have their share. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the name El Elyon appears uh, for the first time in verse 18. You probably caught it here. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. That's the name of God, El Elyon. Uh, El is the abbreviated form of uh, the name we looked at last week, which is Elohim. That's the name for God used in the first uh, entire chapter of Genesis, chapter one and up to uh, chapter two, verse four, the only name used for God in in that primary creation story. Elohim means strong creator. And here that name is repeated with the El. And then the Elion is a, a way of repeating that. You can see the El, El, Eon. It's this compound kind of thing that's repetitive. And in Hebrew, basically what this means is that um, it, it, God is the superlative of everything good. The best of the best, the highest of the high, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. God is the most high God. That's what the, what the name uh, literally means. And in, in a world of horizontal comparison, this is critical, isn't it? I mean, we, we do this, you do this, I do this, even when we work hard to try not to do it. We, we look to others and evaluate who's higher, who has more, who's doing better, who's in the nicer home, who's got the better job, who's prettier, more handsome, who's over whom, who has more power, prestige, influence. The mental math is relentless, isn't it? Am am, am I higher or lower? And so the equation goes on in, in our minds. And the voices of the world, the flesh, and the devil love that. And they continue speaking to us all the time re-emphasizing the importance of that ranking and how we need to kind of move up. And those voices would have us live in that space our entire life because that treadmill leads nowhere. Really, it produces only restlessness, anxiety, worry, envy, bitterness. It causes us to make poor decisions, trading on relationships to reach the next rung of the ladder to get just a little bit higher. I mean, this name of God reminds us that all that striving, all that posturing, all that maneuvering, all that manipulating is not only worthless, but harmful. It hurts us and other people. I mean, this effort is, is really just a, a re-expression of the fall Remember the temptation that the serpent fed Eve? For, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Meaning, you'll take a step up. And if you're not on par, you know, you might, you might even, you know, 
And that's been in us ever since, right? We keep trying to get higher. More than that, there's this thing in us that wants to be highest. I mean, for those of you who know the story, think Tower of Babel. We keep trying to build things, to reach to the heavens, not simply to express creativity and beauty, but to climb the tower and take over. I mean, this, this name of God reminds us that we're not just people you know, here this morning trying to figure out another little religious part of our lives that might make our lives more comfortable. We're here to remember that we are creatures Someone made us. We did not make us. We don't have the power to make anybody. I mean, God is God, and we are not. Period. God is highest. Period. So if there's something going on in us that's climbing the ladder, relentless, striving, all of that, just, oh. you can trust. You can trust. And, and if we're in a place where someone is, is relentlessly trying to be higher than us, lording it over, using us as a step stool to reach for the next rung, you know, we can see what's really going on. Now, that doesn't relieve any Christian anywhere from working for justice all the time. We work for justice always. And at the same time, we have eyes to see what's really going on. Because those people in the world lording power over others with the the, the spiritual glasses on, you can see. They're just grasping for the next rung. Trying to be higher and sometimes highest. God's is the highest authority. And, and God's ways are higher than our ways. I mean, if you spend a little time camped out in this story, you realize that Abram pursuing these four ginormous allied armies with 318 trained soldiers is absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's one of those stories in the Bible that just defies all odds. It absolutely can't happen. Abram, with 318 men, traveled over 240 miles in pursuit of a vast army. And when they caught up with them, they not only engaged them and did battle, they routed them, undid the entire allied army. I mean, God's ways are higher than our ways. You know, what kind of story is this? This this doesn't happen. This never happens. You know, David had five smooth stones. And at the end of the day, he only needed one. God whittled Gideon's army down from 22,000 to 300 and brought the victory. Why, we ask? God gives us an answer. Here's what he said to Gideon. You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. God wants us to know that his ways are higher than our ways. God does these kinds of things to help us know him, really. And when we know God, we know that we don't have to focus on the odds because the odds don't matter. 
more are they who are with us than they who are with him. Right? Instead of focusing on the size of our problems, we can focus on the size of our God. God's ways are higher than ours. God God wants to be known and glorified. God's is the highest glory. When Abram returned from this this kind of great rescue mission that God performed and, and the king of Sodom came to make him a deal, here's what the king said to him. Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Translated, here's the mercenary fee. Thanks for getting my people back. You keep, why don't you keep all the stuff just give me my, my people back and I'll take them back home and, and get the glory for the win. That's what's going on here. Contrast that with Melchizedek who understood that Abram hadn't won the victory. Abram didn't do it. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Melchizedek was the king of Salem, uh, in, in Hebrew, shalem, shalom, peace, right? Most, most people, uh, Bible scholars agree that the Salem referred to Jerusalem, the city of peace. Melchizedek was the, the king and priest of Jerusalem. The mediator between people and God, the most high God. And he had his worldview right, right? Do, do you ever... Do you ever have this experience? I do every once in a while, and I count it a blessing. I wake up sometimes and just with a piercing clarity of, wow, I'm alive and I'm going to die. What's really going on in this world and in this life? That's all a worldview is, an answer to that question. What's really going on here? How is it that our lungs keep filling with air and our heart keeps beating and we can think thoughts that that are intended to bless and help and love and and we can see with eyes. Oh my goodness, the human eye. Unbelievable. Just physically speaking. I mean, really, if we have spiritual eyes to see and you scan the crowd here, the whole congregation, miracle, 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 miracle. How is this happening right now, really? Really? Melchizedek had his view of the world right. There's a God who's the highest of anyone, anywhere, for real. That God created everything, heaven and earth, everything we see, for real. That God is worthy of our praise and worship. That God blesses people. That God delivers people. That God is good and combats evil, for real. Melchizedek understood that God was the source of the rescue that had just happened and that Abraham was, or Abram was, was the resource in God's hand. Huge distinction there, source versus resource. We, we live in a world with one source, really. Except of evil, that is, right? The most high God, everything else is a resource in God's hands for all good that happens. The the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answer number one, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end, primary purpose that is, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God's glory is highest. He's the source. We recognize that and we worship God. And, And then we get to Jesus and we learn even more about the most high God and what this really means. 
look at this. Uh, th this, is, this is right after the disciples celebrated the Last Supper with Jesus. A dispute also arose among them, the, the apostles, the disciples that is, as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Again, this is right after the celebration of the Last Supper. Wow, our capacity for brokenness is pretty unbelievable, isn't it? And it's not them, it's us. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And there it is. The great inversion. Who's the greatest? Who's the highest? The disciples are all worried about that. That's the horizontal comparison stuff, remember? Are you higher or am I? No, I am. Come on now. All echoes of the fall in the immediate wake of the Last Supper. We bicker about which of us is best right after feeding on grace. How quickly we forget. How quickly we forget. But, but the bigger point is what Jesus said, right? The greatest among you should be like the youngest, the one who rules like the one who serves. Because that's what Jesus, the most high God, did. The greatest, the highest, the most powerful, the one to whom all glory is due, became the greatest servant the world has ever seen or will ever know. Uh, creator of heaven and earth, ruler of all, became least in the world's eyes. I mean, talk about turning the tables on all of our horizontal comparison nonsense. Talk about diffusing completely the time bomb that is all our ambition and striving, uh, unconnected with the Lord. Don't get me wrong here, God calls us to vocations, and that's good. And God guides us in that and we should go after it with our whole heart. But when the ambition and striving is simply to make us more and bigger and higher, we're heading the wrong way. The most high God demonstrated in person the highest calling to make yourself least and to serve. Here's a free tip if you ever have the opportunity to serve in a way that you feel is a bit below you, take it. Do it. Every time. Recognize that for what it is, a spiritual struggle in your heart. Hop on it and do whatever it is. the Lord will grow you and make you bigger. So some takeaways for us. What, what does all this mean for us? I mean, Psalm 121, because 
God is most high, we have the ultimate overwatch. Right, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. How many times is watch over repeated in that psalm? I think God wants us to get something. The one who is highest is watching over us. That's a takeaway. It helps us release our anxieties. Right? If, if, you're, if you're anxious about something, if you're remembering something from the past that brings you great anxiety, if you're looking towards something in the future that's pressing and, and heavy and, and, and is bringing you great anxiety, I mean, come on, come on home to the Most High God. Watching over you, keeping you from all harm. All anxieties come into perspective, don't they? Graduates, um, Melchizedek set out a pretty great example for us. His, his understanding of what's really going on in the world and that to which we're called. Be like him. His, his understanding of what's really going on here was spot on. God is real. Jesus is alive from the dead for real, alive right now for real, is speaking to us right now. We can learn better and better how to to hear what God is saying to us and how to respond to that. Uh, As God is calling you into vocation, follow that. But don't forget to follow Jesus first. Because without that, all the other stuff is for naught. Don't forget that main thing. God, God is most high. Here's a third takeaway. God is most high, and the definition of idolatry is putting something or someone else in that place. Don't do that. There's no life there. Have no doubt God wants that place. Remember commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm the highest, he said. Keep Jesus on the throne. And, and, and let's follow Jesus In humbling ourselves, the greatest became the least. And that, you know, that wasn't just a one-time thing. This is who God is. This is what God is like. And and when we really absorb the, the fact that the creator of everything is that person, is like that, that we can know that of God, and again, all, all of our strivings apart from that just seem kind of silly, don't they? God is El Elyon, God most high. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me. Jesus, pour out your spirit on us Uh, Please reveal to us how you're getting our attention. Help us to hear what you're saying to us. And God, give us 
Give us the courage, the energy, whatever's needed to act on that, to do something about what you're saying to us. We love you, Lord. And we bless you this day for your goodness. You are the most high God. You did not have to do any of what you have done for us. Yet you chose it. You, the greatest of all, chose to come down and wrap the servant's towel around yourself, kneel down, and wash our feet, and then go on to the cross for us. We try to get that, and it just can't all get in, God. Help us uh, by your spirit to know you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.